Welcome to Parents on Pictures podcast. My name is Damien. I'm Andy. I'm Sam. And what we do each and every single episode is we take something from a uh, streaming platform like Netflix or Amazon Prime, YouTube occasionally, Disney Plus. And once we've all seen it, we come in here and we discuss it, basically trying to figure out whether you should waste your time watching it or whether you're going to be enjoying it. So, Andy, what are we discussing this episode? We are going to be discussing 2020's Love and Monsters, uh, hey. which directed by Michael Matthews. Um, it's an absolutely brilliant uh, adventure film, I guess you'd call it, fantasy adventure, um, about a young lad who the world has gone completely mad. All of the, an asteroid has hit, all of the insects have turned into these enormous monsters, and everything above ground is kind of a no-go zone. And he decides one day he's going to go and find his true love, someone who he left in the previous world. And he has to go above ground and travel to find her. And it's about his adventure on his way over there. It is, yeah, that's it in a nutshell, I think. Yeah. And it's, um, it's this story takes place seven years after the uh, apocalypse event. And you, you actually find out what happens really, really quickly. They don't waste any time in the beginning of this film and for those of you who you know you've been listening quite a few times one of the things i absolutely cannot stand is where you just get text that comes up on screen that kind of tells you what's happened and this is done in a much much better way actually entertaining for once trying to bring people up to speed really really quickly because they kind of do it in like a almost like a comic book fashion don't they but they do that for a reason because you learn uh, pretty early on that the main character who is called Joel played by uh, Dylan O'Brien he's a really good artist and so it actually fits in with the character and so for me you can kind of tell straight away that whoever's put this film together has finally thought about an inventive way and linking it in with the character of bringing you up to speed on these massive life-changing events without boring the absolute what's this out of you by just putting yeah. text up. So that's that, what I'd like to start with. <laughs> no, I liked it. I agree with you. I thought the animation was really nice throughout. And we, even when you see his drawings in his book later on, it is a really interesting way of, of kind of presenting it to you. And it almost felt like, um, you know, I, I remember years ago watching one of the Spider-Man films and kind of the opening sequence was kind of the comic book flicking through and coming to life. And it felt like a, a kind of a, a better version of that, really, that you were kind of taking. I don't know if this was ever a comic book series or anything like that, but it certainly felt like it was um, like, you know, it had that kind of theme running through it with, with that, it, with those illustrations. And I think it, it takes you straight into the the tone of the movie as well, because it is a comedy. Um, mm -hmm. And and I think straight from those early the, the early kind of animations and the drawings, it it you you know that you're you're going into the sort of the um, uh, apocalyptic or post apocalyptic kind of tropes, but we're going to poke fun at this. It's it's going to be um, you know a bit uh, a bit tongue in cheek. At the same time, though. I, I thought there was enough. There was enough in terms of you know giant mutated insects and 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 uh, amphibians and things like that that um, that it didn't feel like the story was. I didn't feel at the start. Oh, this is going to be tired. This is going to be overdone. Um, it did just have that. It it was almost you know uh, fairly aware that it was going into territory that was you know well-worn territory but we're going to do this we're going to just put a little bit of a personal touch on this i actually uh, was quite taken aback the first time you see a monster so in the beginning of the film um you learn that they're all living underground as andy said in his synopsis but it kind of starts where this little bunker full of people where joel lives um gets uh, broken into by one of these creatures, which you, you learn is basically every cold-blooded animal on the planet has, has grown into these massive, gigantic things because of, you know, things that have happened. Uh, and one breaks in, and it lulled me into a false sense of security because the beginning of the film is very light-hearted and very breezy. Uh, even Joel's tone is, is very, hey, you know, this has happened. Oh, well, it, we just got to get on with it. But the first time that you see this creature, when it's 
devouring one of the people in the uh what is it like a, the bunker or missile silo that instantly took me aback i was like okay so the tone of this is a bit wow that was a, a heck of a shock i was not expecting that because it starts off really light and comical and then boom even though it's behind a shower curtain and you see mostly a, sil um, a silhouette, I was like, oh, crap. Okay, so that they're going to do that in this film as well. All right, then. <laughs> I thought we were going to have more. I thought from that point on, I thought we were going to see like arms, limb, you know, heads, bits. You know, I wanted to see more of that. And I felt like it kind of, they kind of introduced it, they showed it to you, kind of teased you with a bit, and then they didn't really give you that that real, um, that real, uh, I don't know, the viciousness of it. Because you know, I'm not going to ruin the ending, but at the ending, when that, when the crab does what the crab does, um, there was just room there for some just brutality, you know, people being chopped and half stuff like that, and it didn't mm. happen. I was a bit... We very, yeah. We cut away, didn't we? Mm -hmm. uh, the the points and and um, and if I'm sure if Matt were with us, I can hear him now saying, "I wanted more." Um, <laughs> and and I agree. I I think it is it is pitched as a family a family adventure. I think, and that's where you know it's kind of a. It, well, I was going to say it's like Jurassic Park level, but actually, if you go back to the original Jurassic Park, that's way more gruesome um, in some points. It's probably maybe I'm thinking uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong, that kind of level, maybe. But even again, there probably not as gruesome as that. Um, so they do. But one thing that um, you, you kind of led me on to that I did want to point out is we've talked about this in other films that we've looked at about kind of like the monster design and how people approach the reveal of the monsters and 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 i have to say i i really liked the range of monsters that they included and i really i thought that you know some of them were just a bit kind of like uh i don't know cringy a bit kind of bleh, a bit disgusting some of them did feel genuinely kind of actually that that um i'm thinking of like sort of the millipede um uh type uh, monster yeah I, I think um i think they did a good job of you know having enough uh, enough certainly for like you know just about enough for a few kids to have some nightmares um, <laughs> let's say um that yeah, kind I mean, of that kind of level this is pg-13 um and i think that's probably very appropriate mm. i uh, i know myself as a 13 year old i was easily scared and i think something like this would have scared me um much like what jurassic park did back in the day so yeah I, th I think even though it doesn't show you any of the gruesomeness of it which again i agree is a shame i like it when a film really goes straight in i thought that the creature reveals and the creature designs were so effective that those themselves were scary enough for a, for a kid's film by a long way i mean i didn't want to go on to this until much much later um, but let's talk about the creature design. Even though a lot of it is CGI, in fact, most of it, let's be fair, is CGI, there are a few puppets um, here and there that you can see, um, like the cockroach. I think it was a cockroach at the beginning or something similar. Um, when it pokes its head over the top of the shower curtain, that's a puppet. But when it's, um, you know, when, when the creatures are moving and attacking, they're all CGI. It was done so phenomenally well. I don't know, and I'll look this up, but I don't know what the budget was for this film. But given what they were able to do with the resources they had, this CGI company should be working for every bloody film. I mean, oh my God, the design of the creatures was phenomenal. I, I particularly liked the, again, CGI. I particularly liked the snail. Mm, I yeah. Really, I love that part of the film, but I also thought it was a really kind of beautiful... Image. Yeah, that I thought it was really cool. Reminded me a little bit of um, Tamatoa from Moana, the crab that collects things. <laughs> mm. That a little bit, but yeah, less less friendly. <laughs> and I, well, this is the thing: is I, I love the way that they did. I didn't again. Don't want to spoil too much, but I love the way that that scene went from. And obviously, they're using all sorts of different um, techniques to to make everything seem quite menacing. 
and then how all of that kind of tension just melted away and then you looked at it and you think oh it's just a it's just a nice snail and and uh, the 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 kind of the the shell uh, that um how how it's kind of like you say all, all kind of rocky and got all the sort of the moss and things on it and and it just transformed the 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 creature in in the way that you you looked at it um yeah i i, I and and that, i mean probably one of the best dogs in movies as well um i love that dog <laughs> i don't think i've i'm not a big dog fan right and i don't i'm not not a fan i just i'm very ambivalent towards them i don't think i've liked a dog in a movie since like this since i watched i am legend right that, that dog to me was a crucial part of the film and it mm. really kind of fell a bit in love with him and i think i read in the trivia um for this that um they really intentionally only only uh let the dog bond with um uh, the actor who played Joel, um, kind of uh, Dylan O'Brien, I think they really intensified the bond there to get that kind of um, authentic relationship between them. And I think that sh I think that shows. Do you know, That's there were moments nice. where I was praying that they didn't kill that dog off. <laughs> don't you dare. Don't you. <laughs> Rule number one, especially of a kid's film, don't kill. Well, I know they did in I Am Legend, didn't they? And even yeah, that... but that's not a kid's mm. film, Andy. No, I <laughs> Again, I, I don't want to speak for Matt, but I'm sure Matt would have wanted to see some children die in this movie. Um, <laughs> uh, just going back to A Quiet Place. Um, we'll have to ask him. We'll have to check with him. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, fabulous. Um, I just want to talk quickly about the sound um, for this film. The sound design was, for me, I really picked up on it and really kind of noticed the intricacies. And there was an incredible amount of effort went into that sound design, especially um, at the very beginning when you can hear these creatures off in the distance and they were amplifying certain sounds around you. And it, the, the sound had so much depth to it. And for a film that, you know, we're talking budgets, $30 million, it's it's a, a modest sum of money for for a, a film like this. That film, the, sorry, that sound design had been very very carefully put together. It was very impressive. When you consider what they were able to pull off with thirty million dollars, and there are some films that are given three times that budget, they can't pull off anything close to it. And some films um, have ten times that budget. And well, can't... yeah, very yeah. true. Um, no, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, the the sound design was really good and I think that in itself is what went such a long way for me for the effectiveness of the, of the creatures because these creatures are not pretty they are legitimately scary and a lot of that is done through sound because they can't show gore they can't show much at all mm -hmm. they can only show how formidable and menacing these creatures are and you know that the main character doesn't stand a chance mm -hmm. and a lot of that is done through um, the sound design as much as it is the CGI. So I'm I'm right there with you, Andy. I thought it was so effective. Really impressed. Now, there's one thing. I couldn't quite put my finger on it until today. I rewatched it just before we came on for the pods. And the, let me know if I'm on my own here, but this film was giving me serious Zombieland vibes in the tone that it was going for. Um, but but bearing in mind that Zombieland is a much older rated film and obviously could show an absolute more. Do you think that was intentional or did no one else pick up on Zombieland vibes? I didn't pick up on Zombieland at all. And I think, Sam, you're going to back me up here. About 15 minutes, maybe longer than 15 minutes, about 25 minutes into the film, I turned to my wife and I went, Damien's going to love this film. Because this <laughs> film for me is as close to a... Um, a film adaptation of Fallout as you could get, right? <laughs> You've got a man and his dog wandering through the wasteland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, picking up bits of people, putting them into a book and then using that information later. Mate, this is a Fallout, the film. And I know they're making a Fallout film, aren't they? I think they're doing a TV series on Amazon TV Prime. Series, right? yeah. It's just going to be either the prequel or sequel to this film because I couldn't believe how close to Fallout it was. That, <laughs> that was the vibe I got the whole way through. Nice. And I'm the Fallout fan. I didn't pick up on that vibe at all. <laughs> no, when I, I saw, think when I saw the dog, when I saw the dog and the, well, we'll call him man. I think his character 
he said he was 16 and it's seven years later. So he, yeah, he's a man at this point. Yeah. That, when I saw the dog and his man, I did think for a moment, ah, fallout. That was literally it. <laughs> well, uh, I, I must've thought that 10 times whilst watching this. Well, see, I did. I, I don't think I, I instantly, instantly went to either of those places, but when I think about it, like um, I did, when I was looking at uh, sort of considering Michael Rooker's character, um, I looking back on it, I'm almost thinking kind of budget Woody Al- um, Harrelson, um, but not. I don't know. That's 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 a bit. Uh, I don't know. That makes it sound like I'm I'm not giving him kind of uh, enough praise, which I don't think I am because I do think that um, there was a really good cast for the movie as well. Not not massively recognisable. Probably Dylan O'Brien and Michael Rooker. Probably um, correct me if I'm wrong. The only sort of well-known or people that have been in some uh some kind of top listed uh, movies um and and i guess you could probably say a lot of the characters maybe fall into those kind of like post-apocalyptic archetypes mm-hmm. but i almost think you know if you're looking for something super original why you know you wouldn't be watching this movie um, and I think they just do those roles well and they add enough of their own kind of um, uh, charm to them um, that, yeah, it, it, is, it is something you've seen before, but it's just done well. Um, yeah. I felt like that character was one stop short of being a Native American kind of archetype <laughs> that we see in these films all the time. You know, they just stop short of that. Um, they, but I loved that character. I thought the character was great and... and um, you know, there was no depth there. It was completely two-dimensional, but it was beautiful. And I, the same uh, little girl that was with him. You know, very two-dimensional, but and very predictable, but lovely still. Yeah. Yeah. They they were they were there to advance the plot in terms of him being able to survive in yeah. the world, and yeah. and that was. But yeah, what's that was it. really good? What's really good is that the film knew what the characters were there for, and they didn't overplay them. They were two-dimensional characters, so I felt that they got two really good actors to play them so that they could bring some depth in their performance. Because Michael Rooker, I love Michael Rooker, and I thought he did a fab job given that he was had nothing to work with. Um, and Arianda Greenblatt, who was the young girl, she was also absolutely top-notch. And I was looking at her IMDb and, and a little bit of work or research on her, and um, she's actually really, really busy for her age. Um, so I think they got two top-notch, um, two really, really good actors to play two nothing roles, but they they were only in the film for, what, 15 minutes max, if that? So they knew that they were mm. only two-dimensional characters and they got every ounce of what was decent out of those characters and mm. didn't overplay it. So the people who put this film together, given the small budget and they knew what they were making, I, I still think that they did a... A, a really good job with what they didn't have because they didn't have an awful lot and this was brilliant they managed to create an entire post-apocalyptic world that felt fleshed out that you could see for miles and miles and they did that on a nothing budget yeah that and that's a really good point because it is visually very striking stunning it is, stunning. It is really mm-hmm. impressive and it did feel like it felt like a triple a video game that sort of thing as you're looking at this these kind of these almost impossible worlds existing around you and it it was very very impressive in in that sense and thinking back on it now um one film that does spring to mind that there is kind of a i guess a connection with um in terms of the setting is oh i'm gonna forget the name i was about to say armageddon but it's not armageddon but again begins with annihilation um annihilation with natalie portman um and the idea of that that they go into sort of this world that's then becoming corrupted and um yeah um i'm guessing and... by Dino's face i need to watch this uh watch this <laughs> sorry i apologize sam yeah when when you were saying that andy shrugged as though he's not seen it never seen it no okay. oh my god <laughs> oh yeah it's it's a it's mm, i won't say it's an interesting <laughs> movie it's interesting but it has kind of some similar well in fact i guess in some ways annihilation is probably this movie but for the next age group up um i would say Am um, I next age group up you're you're in a few age we're all we're all in a few age groups beyond um yeah they need to make a new group um but yeah um 
and and the same way it's kind of taking that kind of um american rural landscape and then just kind of like obviously applying the the post-apocalyptic um uh brush strokes to it and and then that unease of these monsters or these creatures that are just around the bend and i i um I particularly, yeah, I liked the kind of, I don't know, um, the the abandoned trailer park, play, you know, so those type of places. I just thought, yeah, they were really, oh, and oh, that's popped into my head, the robot. And the, I was just about the, to mention it, because that was oh, a moment yeah. where I went, this is Fallout! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Mavis, yeah, Mavis the robot. Oh, um, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. And what I like is that they set these things up early. There's there's a Mavis robot in the um, in the bunker where he is right at the beginning of the film. Doesn't work. And he talks about them. And then he comes across a Mavis. And it was such a wonderful scene. And again, this yeah. is just storytelling at its best. Because what have you got? You have got a robot that is sat down that has basically no power left and is... There's no facial features. There's nothing. It's all done through voice acting. And you literally got one person and half a robot sat in a room talking to each other with a dog there. And I can't take my eyes off the screen. I, I'm going to go oh, as far as I think that was my favorite part of the film. I think that really yeah, and, loved that scene so much. And I think, yeah, there's probably two things that I think it encapsulated in, in the, the, we do keep on getting those flashbacks and some really just, I love the kind of the little visual um, payoff like at the start of the movie, the chandelier in his in his bunker bedroom, and you're like, that's weird. And then you get the payoff for that, um, and the, the just the the whole way that they explore like the the you know the loss of his family. Spoiler alert: obviously they're not in the start of the film, so you work it out pretty quickly. Um, I thought it was like it was really it was really quite um, I don't know it was really well done, quite moving in that sense. Um, and I have to say, I. I thought Dylan O'Brien was a good, really good lead for this. I know he's got kind of the the dystopian post-apocalyptic chops because he's in the the Maze Runner movies, which I've not seen. Um, but yeah, I I really I kind of I, I I don't know. I felt like I got on board with him as a as a lead for this type of movie. And can we just talk ever so briefly about his girlfriend, Amy? Before we go into that. Sorry, 100%. But before we go on to Amy, I just wanted to mention that the thing that was most effective for me at that scene was the fact that they used the Mavis robot to provide Joel with closure for his mother. Oh, which, yeah. Which was yeah. gut-wrenching to watch. Because uh, as, as Sam pointed out, you learn through snippets of backstory. And this is another thing I really enjoyed. They don't give you all the backstory. They give you little bits as you go through the film. So you, you eventually learn the, the full story. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that his parents didn't make it. But with Mavis's, literally with her last few minutes of energy that she has left, because her battery is about to go, um, she puts on a, a, a picture of his mother, which even he doesn't have because mm -hmm. he's able to find his mother's records somewhere. And he's able to have closure with his mother because he didn't get to say goodbye before. And I'm like, oh my God, how are you doing this? You're just a robot. It's like, <laughs> oh man. It was wonderful. Sorry, on to the girlfriend. No, no, you're absolutely <laughs> right. You're absolutely right. It was a... Uh... A that's a really stunning scene actually um and it's the kind of thing that you could show to acting students in so many ways about how to use their voice to create so much emotion because like i said she didn't that mavis robot doesn't have a face doesn't have didn't have really any real animation to to it um but yet created the empathy oh, do you reckon we'll ever have empathy like that in robots uh hope not oh, man because you could have the opposite <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want the opposite <laughs> We will, yeah, we will have been surpassed by that point, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, being kept with Pat's. Anyway, and Andy, onto the uh, onto the key issue at hand. Um, what have you got to say about? Uh, well, I say girlfriend, or yeah, is she? Well, good question. And oh, yeah. Amy, Amy is Amy's the character's name, played by Jessica Henwick. What did you uh, What do you want to say about Amy, Andy? She's beautiful. I've <laughs> <laughs> come across her before. She's absolutely brilliant. Um, actually, I really liked her as a character because she's, um, 
I think for this genre, she was quite typical, perhaps. I'm thinking of the kind of, um, this for me had a, I don't know how to explain it. I want to say Juno-esque vibe to it. I don't really know what I mean when I say that, but in my head, it makes sense. Um, but I, she kind of fitted in very well to that. I really liked her. I thought, despite being very, very beautiful, she was very good as well. Um, and she kind of fitted in that role really well. Mm, and again, I, I almost don't want to spoil the twist, but mm -hmm. I kind of think you could probably see it kind of coming. Yeah. Um, and and I just uh, I I kind of liked that. It, again, she wasn't to blame in any way, um, and and neither was he to a certain extent. You know, they they're all going through something you know pretty traumatic, and he was hanging on to this this relationship, and actually things have have, have changed. Um, I I I quite liked that about um, about the story that it did kind of say actually we're not going to go down that that route um, and um, and yeah I think um, I think she is someone that's certainly got a uh, I was going to say got a future in 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 kind of these kind of movies I mean she's done a, a lot already I think yeah. I think she was one of the main a a main character in one of the seasons of um, uh, Game of Thrones. Um, and she is uh, connected with the Matrix 4 um, oh, as wow. well. So, I didn't so, yeah, know that. So she's, yeah. Um, well, uh, with that in mind then, without... Oh, God, we, we spoil stuff all the time. Okay. Ending, yeah, spo ending spoiler alert. We're, we're about to go spoiler into alert. the end. 100%. <laughs> so about... if, if you've not seen it, A, why are you listening? Uh, oh, yeah, because we're going to tell you whether you waste your time. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's right. That's the premise of the podcast. Yeah. So, uh, snapshot into why I listen to podcasts. I like to listen to podcasts about things I've already seen and whether I agree with you or not. Um, but but, but does move. Demo but, does move. A really important question there. Yeah. Why are you listening? Why are you? <laughs> Take a long, hard look at yourself. Yeah. <laughs> why are you listening to three white dudes talk about films? Um, <laughs> Spoiler alert, we're going to spoil the crap out of the ending. Uh, I will insert some kind of, uh, I don't know, sound effect here. <laughs> Go, spoil the ending, Sam. I'll spoil the ending. I have to say, I personally saw the twists coming a mile off. Um, I'm not saying that as a big critique. Yeah, I think it was pretty obvious that, you know, she wasn't going to be in love with him. She wasn't waiting for him, that the the sea captain or whatever his name was. Um, yeah, that, that it was going to they were uh, I'm trying to think what I'm sure there's another film where pretty much exactly the same thing has been done. Um, everyone, you know, they've they've come in to steal all their goods and stuff and they're not actually the heroes that they claim to be. Um, that said, the actual ending in terms of, I guess, um, Joel's kind of character arc where he realizes that the 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 relationships that he had with his family in the bunker is what he actually walked away from and obviously they set that up that they all seem to think that he's pretty useless and everything and i just you know when he finally gets back on the radio with them and they're like oh we've we've missed you so much and everything like that i i, I was like yeah i'm i'm on board with this yeah. i'm happy with this a bit schmaltzy it's um but yeah it's good and and obviously they leave it open to leave it open for a sequel, um, which I have no issue with. I, I agree with you. I think the ending is really well done. I actually think I would have enjoyed the film less had these two characters gotten together. Um, I kind of liked that they made it about the family that he left as opposed to the love of his life that he was trying to get to. Um, I thought that was actually a really mature step for a film that is aimed at families um, because you usually see the hero riding off into the sunset um, with with his girl or, or, or boyfriend, and I'm very happy they didn't go down this route and they made it about family as opposed to um, these just two characters, which was was fabulous. And yeah, I agree with you. I saw the twist, both of them coming a mile away, but I still think that the setup for the twist when the uh, these guys are basically pirates, I thought the setup was done really well because you learn earlier on in the film that the the, uh, the berries that the pirates. Uh, going to feed the, the the colony, should we call them? Um, there's something wrong with them because he tries to eat them and the dog tells him not to. Um, so again, they still they still set it up. It didn't come out of, uh, out of nowhere. 
And I think the film knows that you're going to see these twists coming a mile away, which is why I'm really happy they did what they did in the way that they did. I think if they hadn't run off, you know, gone on to the sunset with each other and had a, a happily ever after ending, I think it would have diminished the whole film, quite frankly. You're right. I, th- I think you're, you're right, Sam, when you say you have no issue with the sequel. I'm actually looking forward to finding out about him and his family that are below the ground who've come out of the bunker and are now above ground like that's for me that's exciting i'm looking forward to that mm. yeah and you know, this for me this and just this for me is not a film that i should like and i that's, that's a really stupid thing to say but if if i'd read the synopsis before watching this film i probably would have spent two-thirds of the film on my phone not paying much attention i went into it not really knowing anything about it and do you know i just i wonder if this has now opened up doors for me for other films like this because i've been very resistant to watching films like this for a very long time because i find them very cliched very boring but i found this amusing endearing enjoyable to watch and i think that's i don't know i just wanted to say that really i just <laughs> I, I think it's a fab point what i'm really worried about your new journey now is that every other film that you watch after this is going to be cliched and boring be exactly and everything that you feared you said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because in uh, i've had similar experiences with these films before andy um which i honestly i can't remember why i watched it in the first place i think it was i saw the trailer on netflix um as you do you switch it on and when you hover over something it just starts playing and i think for me they must have shown one of the creatures and i must have been so impressed with that i was like you know what i'll give this a go um and that's what kind of drew me in on the first place it was the visuals um and i was just very pleasantly surprised by the story and the way that they told the story well you demo you cryptically you said to me have you watched love of monsters and i was like no and you went you need to watch love of monsters yeah. <laughs> I, I remember I I, I guess remember. I'm watching Love and Monsters then. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, now it, it feels like because we're we're going to the end. Before we get on to, do you want to say anything else? I want to talk about the crab and the way they set that up. So this was I, I'm not entirely sure. And if I had a gripe, this might be the one thing. I'm with you. I'm not entirely mm. sure this paid off very well. So when you meet the snail, um, Michael Rooker explains that oh you can see it in the eyes that they're not going to kill you i'm like what um you can tell from their eyes that they're kind it's like if you've never seen a child when they're trying to get something from you and if you don't give it to them their face instantly changes um kind of the same thing here but the crab at the end which is being uh, electrocuted into obedience by the the pirates um he's about to eat our main character. <laughs> and I don't think I'd have the ability to not poop my pants if I'm about to be eaten by a giant crab, let alone look into the crab's eyes and go, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll set you free and everything will be okay. This was probably the biggest bit for me where I'm like, no, no, just blow the crab up. Come on, just do because it. Crabs are famously uh, empathetic, aren't they? Are they? Um, <laughs> are they? <laughs> No, of course they're not. They're, they're <laughs> ridiculous killing machines. Like, no. And it was just the way that, oh, that you are absolutely right on that. The, the animation on the eyes, everything at that point, and they kind of, they made the eyes look like, you know when dogs do that thing with their eyes where they look up at you? It did all that stuff. And I was just like, oh, come <laughs> off it, really? Don't get me wrong. It's yeah. a part of the story, and that was a really beautiful way to end that bit of the story. But, oh, my life. It was probably, I would agree, the most, it was definitely the most contrived. If you didn't have all of the other quality, then you would not be able to suspend disbelief at that point. Um, Mm. That was definitely the most on the nose point of the film where, yeah, I, and um, I think, again, I'm pretty sure hadn't he like blown the crab's leg off at that point, I'd probably think the crab would have enough to kind of (laughs) um, like be consider him an enemy possibly but also at the same time and this, again a sorry say again would he consider him a uh, yeah. hey. oh my god thank god this <laughs> is parents on pictures because that joke yeah. oh it's such that a joke. joke yeah there we go that's what you're coming for come for the movie review stay for the dad jokes um <laughs> but um 
again another part of me that was like oh i'm not really sure didn't like the woman have like an arm cannon or something oh, like I love that. that yeah no. oh see i i was kind of like i was into his like hodgepodge uh crossbow and i was like that's cool but the arm cannon i was just a bit like, like no really yeah it's like yeah. a video game isn't it you kill her you collect it you blow shit sorry blow stuff up <laughs> yeah. absolutely that's what it is uh, yeah but the only uh, in terms of that you just reminded me there was one other bit that i thought was almost too cool but at the same time had it was pretty cool was the sequence where joel perfectly times the toss well I, no he doesn't because he fumbles the grenade then he picks it up and you get that shot of him throwing the grenade into the monster's mouth yeah and that was that was a bit like okay that's your uh, hero but man. It, it did it did look really cool so i will let them off for that yeah, yeah. and i particularly liked after that where he's picking sticky bits of creature <laughs> off of him i thought that was really cool <laughs> It is good. There is there is a little bit of slapstick here, but again, it's a family film, so there needs to be something for the slightly younger ones. And yeah, that's that's your hero shot. That's the shot you put in the trailer. Um, younger ones. I would not show this to my three year old. I'm fairly certain. She oh no. Well, it is PG thirteen. So by younger, I mean like young teens. Yeah. Um, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't show it to my six year old or my three year old. Absolutely not. But but to be fair, Andy, if you were looking to go on a journey of similar <laughs> films that are actually quality. Um, I, I would say if you're looking for something that's a lot more serious and a lot more kind of chilling, then Annihilation is probably a good one to have a look at. And to, to your point about the, you know, the crab with the human eyes, there is a really, really um, dark sequence in that with a monster that can mimic human voices. And oh, that is... Oh, it, it's sort of, it, and there's some good body horror in it as well. Um, so, yeah, go for Annihilation that. Annihilation is already on my watch list. I'm not surprised. <laughs> it was one of the very first Netflix big movie titles that they were able to get. So you remember back in the day when it wasn't common for Netflix to buy a property and release it on streaming instead of cinema? This is one of the, the first big properties that Netflix was able to buy from Paramount and release on streaming when it was supposed to be in cinema. So it's, it's, it's in, I suppose, in, in movie history, it's an older film now. I mean, it's only a couple of years old, um, but it's back when it wasn't normal to release things on streaming instead of cinema. Right. Well, I'll certainly check that out. Apparently I was going to anyway, but... Noise. Yeah. I'm, I'm there come back Sam. to us and say, yeah. I wish you'd never recommended it, Sam. Um, <laughs> it was all, yeah. No, I'm, I'm there with Sam. If you want a slightly more grown-up version of this film, Annihilation's an, uh, a great place to go, um, for sure. I, I, well, we're not doing an Annihilation review, but mm. um, yeah, I, I thoroughly... The more I, the more I think about it, the more, if you take away the comedic element and the heartwarming element, there are, there are a load of parallels in terms of the main character going, you know, to search for her husband. And, and yeah, it's weirdly similar. Um, so I'm glad we brought that up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did I bring it up? If I, I did, did, well yeah. done me. Well yeah. done, Sam. Absolutely. Go on, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> go on, lad. You got it. Um, cool. So before we go, actually, one thing we haven't uh, spoken about, I know that we've spoken about sound design, but what did you think about the soundtrack, the music that went with this? Because there, there were a few catchy tunes here. I was a bit surprised. When I was talking about the sound design earlier on, in the back of my head, it was going, talk about the soundtrack. And I was yeah. like, I can't even remember the soundtrack. I don't remember it at all. Ah, see, I'm not good with music, so I won't be able to tell you the, the artists or the tunes or what have you. Um, but it, it now, it didn't use many tracks. Uh, that's probably a budget thing. Um, but what it did use and when it used them, really effective they use it more to enhance emotion than to enhance action which right. i think was a key thing here they didn't use like a uh, a big beat tune to hype up the action that was happening they used the music more to uh more along the emotional beats than anything else and it, it really worked especially with mavis i can't remember the tune that they played when mavis was there but i again that was really effective I'm again I'm I'm probably I'm similar with Andy on this maybe if I'd watched it more recently there would be some songs that stand out to me um I can't think of any jumping out but also at the same time it didn't you know it I I, I think it was it I'm, I'm sure I would go back and say it's well well used the songs that they that they did use not 
again comparing to other things that we've um that we've reviewed thinking of something like i think it was the old guard where we were like that was a soundtrack that is gonna is gonna not age well and and just really stand out as being kind of like of its time um yeah Quick, you know, the other day, so my uh, my wife's parents are late sixties, early seventies, and uh, we're talking about they've just discovered Netflix, and they now do like whole days of binge watching series and stuff. And uh, the other night, we were talking to them, and they said, "Oh, have you seen The Old Guard?" And I was really surprised that they had watched it. They loved it. They thought it was amazing. <laughs> and I just thought, yeah, great taste. But I just thought it was really interesting. Sorry, a little side. <laughs> That's good. I can't remember if I recommended the old guard or not. I forget. What? Anyway, doesn't I, I can't remember. I mean, I've only seen it twice. Could you not recommend it? It was a brilliant film. I'll have to go back and listen to, to what we recorded. Because, you know, know, in retrospect, and this is not an old guard retrospect, but in retrospect, it's fine, and I don't tend to oh. recommend fine. Maybe I did the same then, but I, I, I would like... not recommend for me on that one. Oh mm, God! Anyway, guys, mm. don't listen to us. Go back and listen to the old gold, uh, old guy. Yeah, yeah. Don't listen to uh, us. Try let, and remember. Let's, yeah, let, let's crack on it. with uh, Love and Monsters. Right. <laughs> uh, we wrap yeah. it up, then, guys? Yeah. Should unless there's anything else it. you want to want to mention, um, but for me, it was uh, the only thing I didn't mention about the crab was again another CGI monster done beautifully when you consider the budget. And I actually had a look at the making of behind the scenes. It wasn't all acting against nothing. They bought in this massive, giant, inflatable crab and had the actors acting against this, like, 20-foot-tall crab. It was wonderful to watch. So what they actually got as an end result was just all the more impressive because I would have looked at that thing and gone, that's going to try and eat me? I'd have just cracked up laughing. It was brilliant to watch. You know, uh, talking about the visual effects, effects, sorry, uh, I'm just looking here on uh, Wikipedia. Yeah, and so the film was nominated for an Academy Award in the Best Visual Effects category. Doesn't surprise me. At least it's been recognised. Really yeah. And for yeah. th- again, for a thirty million dollar budget, right. they've pulled off stuff that films, as we've said, ten times the budget haven't been able to do. This was just so well done. Yeah. And isn't it? I I think it's a real. Um, a real kind of genre where you can do that almost or it seems to be more likely to happen often in um i don't know i don't know what the if there's like some kind of uh, a recipe for success there in that maybe um i don't know uh that idea of having that more restriction around these things it seems i'm thinking of like movies like um uh monsters um and i can't remember the name of the uh the director um but yeah the i don't know some maybe maybe it's going back to kind of the classic um stop motion uh monster movies mm-hmm. back in the day um that maybe people are more experimental and get more out of their uh, their money um in comparison to your kind of michael bay um explosion porn where it's like just just throw another you know million of explosions in there and it'll that will cover up the fact that this movie has the substance of a i don't know um pack of walker's crisps or something i don't know <laughs> which is as we know 50 percent air and other crisp brands are available <laughs> yeah. hey, we, we don't we, we we don't get sponsored yeah. by walkers I, I will i will slate all crisp brands equally <laughs> yeah, no discrimination here apart from pre- yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, Pring- Pringles. You, Delicious. you know, yeah, Pringles. If you want to sponsor us, yeah, right. Then this is your first freebie. I know, will, I will gladly consume a whole tube of Pringles in order for some sort of sponsorship deal. Absolutely. Yeah. As in a whole tube of Pringles every podcast is what I'm talking about. <laughs> so what you're saying is that you're happy to sell out the podcast for yeah. <laughs> over the audio. That's what you're going to yeah. do. <laughs> well. well we're rebranding demo. This is now an ASMR podcast where Andy crunches Pringles. That's what we're doing. Oh my god, we've completely lost control. Right, we're gonna wrap it up. And I think we should. I think we should. Right, I'm going first. I will recommend this film. I think this film was really brilliant. I really enjoyed it. It for me, as someone who doesn't watch this kind of fancy sci-fi kind of 
genre very often it was really well done really refreshing and very enjoyable um it was quite light-hearted i didn't you know i didn't take anything major away from it i don't feel depressed or anything at the end it was just i watched it it was great wicked i can move on um so i do yeah, i really do recommend this and yeah just just watch it man you'd love it So uh, I'll, I'll go next. Um, after everything, I thought it was crap. I can't recommend it. It's <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> clearly, clearly. I mean, I think we, we pretty much gave the game away at the beginning. Um, I, I just echo you, Andy. I do watch these types of films. Uh, not normally this young. Um, I do like sci-fi. I prefer sci-fi to fantasy. And this is kind of a mixture of the two. Um, it's it's a little bit young for me. I don't tend to go for PG-13 because I do like my visceral and I like to, you know, see my creatures... Uh, eat and tear up uh, the the characters but even without any of that it was so well done and so well constructed all of the elements just seemed to fall into place even with the disappointing crab bit at the end um i would highly recommend this to anybody who wants to watch it and and i was very surprised and pleasantly surprised that i, th- I enjoyed it as much as i did i think this is the easiest recommendation i've had to give on the pod so far cool Good news. Well, let's make it three recommends. I am um, uh, again. I I agree. I um. This is the type of movie that I would have a lot of time for, but at the same time, I've seen enough of them to kind of be a bit tired of the genre and to you know, if something wasn't, if something like this wasn't good, I'd switch off pretty quickly. Um. But I I enjoyed the comedy. I uh, I I found it funny. I, it did make me laugh out loud at points visually it was really impressive and I really bought into the story and the characters and I think if um if I'd been maybe watching this in younger more angsty days I probably would have really tapped into Joel's character um and uh, uh, uh even more so than than I did um so yeah apart from maybe a, a couple of missteps and and it being you know pretty on the nose in a couple of uh, sections and you know again not super original but actually having enough originality and enough charm to stand out um from the kind of a sea of other movies that would try and do this um i definitely think it's worth um worth uh, your time and if you've got um uh you know uh, kids that are maybe a bit older um uh, then it, it could be a good one to to sit down and watch as a family uh, potentially but certainly yeah i would uh, highly recommend it outstanding three recommends nicely oh, done nice i'm i'm really glad that i uh, i whispered in your ear you you need to watch <laughs> this sam um no that's cool so that brings us to the end of love and monsters so uh we are toying with we're toying with because the, the the new format is that we we kind of discuss what we're going to do from week to week we don't take it in turns anymore um because we can't always guarantee that all four of us are going to be here but we did notice that Amazon Prime have just released Whiplash um, on their streaming services. Now, I'm not into music, but you three are. Um, and I have only heard good things about the performances and the film. So it looks like we might be doing Whiplash either next or very, very soon. Um, so for those of you who either have no idea what I'm talking about or you've seen it, watch out for that episode. Other than that, Andy, where can people find us? Find us, don't find us, find us. There's a D there. <laughs> find us, there, yeah, right. Uh, so all over Facebook, you can find us. Um, we are on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Get in touch, let us know what you're thinking. If you've got any recommendations, we really, you know, we'd love to hear from you. If you've got something you want to hear us review, let us know. Um, and in terms of the podcast on Anchor, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on everywhere, really, everywhere, yeah. Um, and what coming, are, what what have you been building for us, Andy? I'm going to say coming shortly, we've got a website coming as well, which I'm really excited about because sometimes when we don't have, like tonight, for example, where we can't all be here, there's an opportunity for us to be able to write about different films on the. So there's a kind of I guess you call it a blog um where we can write down our ideas i've already started a couple of those which i'm pretty excited about um but you know we will have a website so um i won't tell you what it is yet 
I'm waiting and, until and we're ready for launch it. <laughs> and Andy, as soon as you teach me how to enter, because I'm not technically minded, uh, how, how to, to enter the website so I can actually start writing sure. blogs, I will write a ton of stuff because I'm working a lot from home, even though I'm back in the, the dojo. Um, and I have, I don't know, in the last month alone, I've probably consumed 30 different films. Right. Um, so, yeah, just, can't wait. I think it's a really great thing because, you know, if you want to, a podcast is wonderful because you can hear us and it's the interaction, stuff like that. But sometimes you just want to know, is that film any good? And I think it's a really good opportunity then for us to have the kind of, the both, you know, both parts are all in one place and um I, I think the website will act as a bit of a hub for the podcast so i'm pretty excited about getting that going so and you can also find us on patreon um which is a, a bit of uh what would you say soulless um promotion there <laughs> but uh, if you want to help support the pod you can do so any money raised on patreon will go towards essentially things like new equipment um, for making the sound quality better uh, and all that kind of jazz. So yeah, you can pay and them. Pringles for Andy. Pringles for Andy. So the yeah, Pringles. We don't need to pay for them as sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, because <laughs> of course we we don't do sponsorships for two reasons. Number one, we're too small, um, and number two, we don't really want to have to chuck adverts in the pod either to keep it going. But that is how sponsorships work, isn't it? You say the name of the product and then they give it to you. Outstanding. Um, what I Tesla. Want. Yeah, uh, Ferrari. <laughs> is that how this works? Is that how it works? <laughs> that is, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Yeah. The American yeah. presidency. Oh, wait. No, you have to have no. money to get that. That's right. <laughs> I think you may have just stolen it, Damo. Um, <laughs> Why not? Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> right. Thank you so much for listening tonight, guys. Uh, so it might not be night for listening. Sorry. It's <laughs> night for us. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good point. Too late. <laughs> bye bye now. Bye. Bye.